It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to a Friday edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets returning home yesterday after what was a very successful road trip. It didn't look like it was going to be at the start, but by the time it was over, the Blue Jackets had won two of the three games that they had played. They secured four out of six points. It took them overtime or a shootout to do it. That doesn't matter. What matters is getting the job done, and that's exactly what the Blue Jackets did in New Jersey and in Colorado after they started the trip losing in Madison Square Garden to the New York Rangers. But, man, what a trip it was some great individual performances. Cole Sillinger picking up the first two-goal game of his National Hockey League career in Colorado. Jake Bean had two goals in that game, including the game winner in overtime. It was just, uh, it was a stellar game. It really was. If you go back to Wednesday night in Colorado, the, uh, the excitement was there. It was a game in which the two teams combined to score nine goals, a 5-4 to four win for the Blue Jackets in overtime. Who would have thought that? I mean, who would have thought that you'd go in there and watch two teams pretty much run and gun when it was all said and done? Boy, I should write a Dr. Seuss book, right? But they just were up and down the ice uh, trading chances, and that was after the first period where nothing really got going, and then the Avalanche got the first goal of the game, and then they got the second goal of the game, and Jake Beans first cut it to 2-1, to and then Cole Sillinger tied it. Cole Sillinger put the Blue Jackets ahead. Boone Jenner gave them a two-goal lead. And then two times with the goaltender pulled, Colorado scored goals and tied it at four before Bean ended it in the overtime. I I just thought it was the greatest ending to a great trip. It really was. It was a a great game. It was a back-and-forth game. It was a fast game. It was exactly the way Brad Larson would like to see his team play when it comes to being quick and using their speed and forcing other teams into mistakes. I think that the Avalanche, who was... They were minus some of their top players. Don't get me wrong. Uh, They had a lot of their top players in, but they were without a couple of uh, top players in that game. No Miko Ranton and no uh, Kel McCarr on the blue line, just to name a few. Uh, Burakowski was out of that game. But that doesn't matter. It was about the Blue Jackets and the way they did their jobs. And that's what Brad Larson told me during the pregame show on Wednesday. He said, I'm not going to get into what they have or don't have. It's about what we do. And And coaches always say that. At least the Blue Jackets coaches have always said that. Uh, John Tortorella said that uh, game in and game out. I talked to him each and every game. It got to the point where I wouldn't even ask him about the other team unless I wanted to ask him about a specific situation or a specific player, which he was always uh, very good at going into detail on those things. But they're right. It's about how you play as a team. It's about whether or not you get the job done. And the Blue Jackets did get the job done on the road trip. So again, it was a pleasurable trip. It was good to get back on the road for multiple games in different cities and going from the East Coast out out into the mountain time zone. Um, It was the, the off day on Monday and then the practice day on Tuesday. It was overcast. It was cold. It was kind of yuck. Uh, when it comes when it comes to the weather, but it was absolutely beautiful on Wednesday. It was gorgeous when we left yesterday, and it's it's just an energizing feeling, and it's an energizing feeling that you can't sit on for too long because tomorrow night the Colorado Avalanche will be back here looking for revenge as they close out their home and home series 
with the Blue Jackets. Coming up here in just a few minutes, I'm going to talk to a man that connects the Blue Jackets and the Avalanche. How does he do that? Well, he started his career in the Blue Jackets organization, worked his way up to assistant general manager. He is now holding that same post with the Colorado Avalanche. His name is Chris McFarland. Maybe you've heard from him. Maybe you remember him when he was with the Blue Jackets. But you're going to hear a lot about a guy that I consider a personal friend and just one of the really good people in the National Hockey League. That's coming up in just a moment. But first, I've got to tell you about the fine people they have at Telhio Credit Union. I would never forget about them, and that's because they never forget about me and you. Not just by sponsoring this podcast, but also by the services that they provide to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. And they provide a ton of services. Uh, they provide what your bank provides. So why should you join a, a credit union? What's the difference? Well, the answer to that question and many more are right there on their website at tellhio.org. Look at the different services, whether it's as simple as a checking account or a savings account, whether it's as complex as uh, a loan to uh, consolidate your debt or for your business, whatever the case may be, the people at Tellhio can help you. Check them out on their website at tellhio.org, Tellhio Credit Union, is federally insured by NCUA. All right, without further ado, on Wednesday at Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado, I got a chance to catch up with Chris McFarland. He is an assistant general manager for the Colorado Avalanche. Here's our conversation. Chris, last year was the Blue Jackets' 20th anniversary season, and one of the things that was most disappointing to me is the Avalanche weren't on the schedule. So there, there was I, – I almost said there was no way to catch up with you. I guess I could have done Zoom like everything else last year, but – fact of the matter is it's so much better to do face-to-face. It is great to see you. And, uh, I mean, you were one of those guys that I thought about all last year when we were talking about 20th anniversary stuff because when the Blue Jackets came into being, you were there from the beginning. You served a couple different roles before moving on here as the assistant general manager of the Colorado Avalanche. But uh, did you think about the Blue Jackets last year in that 20th anniversary season? Oh, for sure. We think, uh, obviously, we have a lot of still, you know, connections there both to the area and uh, with our guys here, right, you know, you got Jared and uh, Bednar and Nolan Pratt and, and myself, and, and the time there was, was, it was tremendous, to be honest. It was very memorable to be there right from the start. Um, just great memories uh, from the, the, the fans, the team, ownership, uh, growing there. Um, noth- nothing but great memories and great things to say about uh, the organization and and Columbus as well. It was a great place to live and started our family there. So it's got a lot of ton of great memories. Now, I met you way back at the beginning when you would come into Syracuse and I was working for the Crunch there. Um, and when you started off, like I think this is a tremendous story for you to be where you are today in this business because it wasn't the, uh, it's not the ex-player route that you took to get where you are today. Tell me about how you wound up with the Blue Jackets, how you began in the National Hockey League just to get a foot in the door. Well, it was, uh, it, it was, I, I got a lot of help from a lot of different people um, before landing the job with, with Columbus and, and interviewing with Jimmy Clark, who was the uh, assistant GM at the time, and Doug McLean uh, took a leap of faith with me coming, uh, coming out of law school and in New York and, and, and scouting out in that area on my own. But, you know, people like Marshall Johnston, who are working for the Devils, and, and Larry Plo, who is with the Rangers, and... Um, uh, Lou Lamorello in New Jersey. They were they were great sounding boards for me. 
when I was uh, interning at the league offices, uh, Brian Burke, they were always pointing me in the right direction and lending a, you know, a, a helping hand, whether it's uh, putting my name to talk to, talk to people. Uh, Larry Plo worked with Don Boyd in St. Louis, and then Boydie ends up in Columbus. And, you know, just those, those little uh, bridges that, that were really helpful to me. I owe those, those people a lot. And then and then ultimately interviewing with Jimmy and, and, and Doug took a chance. So it was, uh, it was awesome. Coming out of law school or even going into law school, did you know that you wanted to be in sports, that you wanted to be in the National Hockey League? Oh, I knew since, you know, very early on when I, I knew I was no good as a player. Uh, but I loved hockey. You know, I think the, the like I think a lot of people are, you know, certainly in our age silo where it's that 80 Olympic team. You know, for me, that was a, that was a huge deal. And it was all hockey all the time from that point on. And then, you know, growing up on the East Coast, I had a lot of hockey to watch at, at a lot of different levels, NHL, AHL, um, you know, the minor pro, obviously, route and, and collegiate hockey. So that was a good chunk of, of my collegiate years and, and, and trying to figure it out was the challenge. And, and like I said, I, you know, I, at the end, there was no email. You wrote letters and, and waited for phone calls and, and had a lot of people call me back and, and offer you know, a, a helping hand, and some of those gentlemen that I mentioned were, were huge for me, so um, I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. One of the greatest things I think you just said there is once you realized that being a player was not going to be the route, right. you immediately branched off and tried yeah. to figure out another immediately. way. Immediately. And, yeah. and we all do that, right? I mean, yeah. for me, it happened a lot sooner than that in high school. I knew, look, I'm not going anywhere, but I loved yeah. radio yeah. and I loved sports. And so I was luckily enough I could put the two together right. and do that. And that's, um, you know, that's really the key. And, and having kids now, and I'm sure that you deal with a, a lot of younger people too, do you still kind of preach that message that? And maybe it's not, uh, maybe you don't have the job that you want right at the moment. Right. But sometimes you got to embrace that stuff because you might find out that you like something you had no idea that would be up your alley. That's a, that's a great point, Bob. And, and, and obviously, you're, I think the thing that you have a passion for that, that shines through from the moment I met you in, in Syracuse and, and has obviously served you well. But I think that's, that's exactly right. I think to work in sports, uh, probably the biggest challenge is there's sort of like it's not, you know, if you want to be an accountant or a teacher, you sort of do this, you do A, B, and C, and through your, your college years, you get that degree, and, and you go from there, but I think to work in sports, there's no sort of clear-cut sort of method to to getting your foot in the door. It's uh, it's it's challenging, but I also think it's it's really rewarding, obviously, to to be a part of, of the NHL, it's it's a dream come true, and, and I'm thankful every day, and I'm, I'm sure I know you are as well. So, But I think when you're trying to get in, that's the, how do you do it? Like, that's, how do I, how do I make this dream reality other than, you know, you, you're it's more than just being a fan, right? You've got a, um, there, there's a lot that goes into it, but it, it is challenging, there's no doubt. Yeah, if you are a fan and you enjoy being a fan, just stay being a fan because once you get behind the scenes and you see how everything works, it kind of it. When I say it takes the luster off of it, I just mean it in a different way. Like I think you'll agree that you and I process things differently when you see things that happen on the ice. You talk to somebody off the ice instead of just from that fan's perspective. Uh, there's other things like, well, you know, there's going to be a salary cap implication over here, and there's right. going to be a trade implication yeah. over there, right? Yeah, no, you're right. It's the the, you, the wins and losses, right? That's the that's the beauty of it, right? Obviously, you want to do more winning than losing, um, 
but you love the game and and that's i guess that's the inner part for you you know the the core part i you know uh, i love the game obviously and and very fortunate to work in it i leave my my sort of super fandom is the yankees with baseball so that that's the part where i allow that to to shine through so that is that, and and, and I've seen that shine through very, very brightly over the years, and it's great. I'm talking with Chris McFarland, he's an assistant general manager with the Colorado Avalanche, but he started with the Blue Jackets. Um, you come into the organization and you kind of move up. You get more responsibility as you go along with the Blue Jackets. I want to take you right to which was close to the end of my tenure in Syracuse when you were the general manager for the American Hockey League team. And I bring this up because I'll tell you, a couple of nights ago, I'm at the hotel. And who walks into the hotel but Mark Rycroft? Now, Mark Rycroft is um, on the television broadcast for the Colorado Avalanche now. He does pregame and intermission. But I remember Mark Rycroft, as I told him, the last time I saw you, you had a mohawk, and it looked terrible because it was back, was it 2007, 2008, uh, the Syracuse Crunch team that was unbelievable won 16 games in a row at the end of the year this is what i love about doing the show in the arena by the way they can crank the music at any time but that's good uh it'll add it'll add to this whole thing but um that team zenon kanopka was the captain of it as i said rycroft was there i haven't seen him since until the other night uh we started trading old stories and listen i'm just going to ask you flat out in all your years of hockey and you're dealing with great teams here you had great teams in columbus you have great teams here in colorado does that team stand out in your mind well, it yes, it does. It was a it was an unbelievable, uh, fun year um, to work with those guys. It was a lot of good hockey players on that team, but they were, I, I don't know, I guess the word is colorful. You know, they they were. That's one word. Yeah, that's one word. They were really competitive, and we we probably got a call or two every Monday on on possible weekend shenanigans from the league office, whether it was crossing a line during warm-up with Big Z was then in, or it was a tough team. It was a rugged team with guys like Sestito and Dorsett and Kanopka. It was, it was a tough, hard-to-play-against team. And, and, and I, I know you'll remember this. Like, I, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Jared Bull was supposed to be on that team, but he, I don't, he never – played in the minors he made the the and hitchcock captain yeah he he went right out of the right out of junior he went right to the blue jackets which is incredible when you think about it um but that team that team could win in a lot of different ways they could they had we had skill guys like broussard and and Derek mckenzie who who ended up having a great career as a as a checking player but in the american league he was an all-star scoring type player and and then you had the ruggedness of guys like like Kanopka and, and Sestito and Dorsett and and then a bunch of glue guys. So it was a it was a really fun team. The fans in Syracuse, I think, embraced that team, and and they did they did their share of winning and and ultimately you know came up short. But um, it was a great year to be honest. It was a team you can recall and think back fondly on for a lot of reasons. So I remember one of the things that Zen and Kanopka used to do to entice winning from his teammates was promise that if we win tonight no buckets during warm-ups tomorrow which meant no helmets during warm-ups the organizational rule was to wear helmets during warm-ups and when you would be in town i it just got to the point where i would laugh because i i would see your face when they came out for warm-ups and 
it is one of those things, and, and you're laughing now, which is great. But yeah. you know, back then, you, your boss is saying the guys got to yeah. wear helmets, yeah. and then they're not wearing helmets, but then they're winning games, and that's why I would laugh about it because I would like I see Chris over there, and he is livid, but he also knows deep down <laughs> that this is working to some extent. So what yeah. can you do? Well, that that was classic Zenin, right? And he and, and Zenin was a great um, a great player for us down there. He was you know, a, a top, you know, centerman, but he was the heart and soul player. And, and he, his identity was, we're, you know, we're going to win and we're going to do what it takes to win. And, and, and he, he led that team. And, and, you know, I remember when, you know, you have a process, right? Waivers, guys go on waivers to get to the minors. And, and I remember Scott Housen, who was the general manager at the time, you know, he had just told Zenon at the end of camp, Hey, we're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put you on waivers and and send you down and you've had a good camp and you'll you know it'd be and he says then and looked me square in the eye and he said Scott are you sure you want to do this and and that Zenin right like he was so so emotionally engaged with the organization and the teams he's been involved with and you know he he did he had all sorts of things that I'm sure a lot of them you're not going to talk about that uh that he did to unite the, the team all in the best interests of the team. And, and, uh, and yeah, he was part of the lore there. Yeah. There's just one other thing. One more thing I'm going to talk about because it goes in the same, uh, the same vein of what I was talking about. Yeah. There was one game where he had already used the helmet thing. So the next level was no shoulder pads during warmup. You remember that night? I do. <laughs> I believe, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was in Peoria, Illinois. I, I'm, I was just going to say it was in the Midwest somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guys came out for warm-ups, and their jerseys were hanging on them like sheets, and they, they looked terrible. And on that night, I actually felt for you because I knew it had gone to a new level. Yeah, he, that's, that was the beauty of that team. They, were, they had fun together, but they, you know, they played hard. Like, that team played hard, and they were, they were in it to win it, and I think that was why it was so – um disappointing when uh you know i think the marley's got us right in uh seven games. in in seven games and uh and that was that was heartbreaking because you know you, there's some teams you're like they legitimately had a chance and you honestly felt like that that team did have a chance to to give a calder cup to to mr dolgan and and the great fans in syracuse so that was uh you look back on it fondly, but it, it, I'd be lying if it said it didn't sting either because they, they, it, was a, it was a good group and a, and a good team to be involved with. Yeah, when I talked to Mark Radcroft, that was he said the exact same thing. He said, we had great players. We had a great team. We should have won that whole thing. And uh, as he admitted, he said, we went up 2-0 against Toronto in that series and kind of wrote it off like we were moving on to the next one. And they didn't write it off, and they came back and won it. So it's, uh, it was very disappointing. Chris McFarland is my guest. Uh, he was formerly with the Blue Jackets. He's now with the Avalanche. Just one more thing about that team. What did that teach you as far as assembling a team and getting that mix of talent and character and guys that care about each other? Well, before we go on to that, there was a there was a rough call that went against us in that Marley series, also yeah. as you can probably dive into a little better. Where yeah, yeah, that's uh, where uh, the goal, <laughs> the goal, the goal, yeah. and 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 I I remember this. I still have nightmares of this actually. Yeah. Um, there's. There's a goal. It's called no goal on the ice. And then back in those days, the goal judges were still sitting behind the net. Right. And we were in Toronto, and the referee signaled to the goal judge he wanted to talk to him. There was no hole in the glass there. The guy had to walk all the way around to the penalty box. And the entire time, it's a packed building, and everyone is chanting, 
go, go, go. And I remember saying, I could probably go pull this archive for you at some point. I said on the air, I said, I can tell you right now where this is going and what's going to happen because that guy would have never got back to his seat if he hadn't told the referee, yeah, I crossed the line, we're good. Well, you know what? It's funny, and I don't remember this, but I do think I asked John Mitchell, who when I first came here, um, about that, and I do. I think it was John Mitchell who was credited with scoring that goal, who was a, a player on the, in the Toronto system at the time. And but he he also smirks when he when he says it. So, um, but that I think that that team the what it what I learned from it anyway was that we had a mix, right? We the importance of Syracuse was it was a rugged group with guys like Tommy Sestito and Dorsett, but. The, the mix of Brassard and, and Joachim Lindstrom and Derek McKenzie. And then, you know, I think during the year, correct me if I'm wrong, like bringing in, you know, veteran guys like Mike, Mark Rycroft or Nate DiCasmiro and, and, and the likes uh, of them to sort of bring a little bit of a different, a different look. Um, you know, we could, we can play a skill game. We could, we could play a rugged game. They, we could play a tight game, you know, any way you kind of the other team wanted to play. We, we had, we thought we had the ingredients to mix and match with that. And, and that's something that you kind of, you want to have your staple and your foundation of, of what your group is, but learning to kind of put the other ingredients in is, is something that I think that team sort of embodied. Yeah, and I ask you that because when I look at this Avalanche team, we're in the midst of this uh, back-to-back series with, um, you know, Ryan Murray is in here with you now. Jack Johnson is in here with you now. And, you know, these are guys that I was around for a long time. And, you know, despite whatever struggles they go through on the ice, uh, I know they're good character guys. And, and, and they have always been good character guys. And, and you have uh, a lot of talent here. And then when I see that, you know, bringing in guys that I know very well. That's why I ask you that question about how you learn about it because uh, it's so important in this game. Everybody wants to break it right down to the to the goal scoring or the defending, but the fact of the matter is if if you don't have guys that care and if you don't have character, then uh, all that stuff will only take you so far, right? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's uh, the marks of all, of all the great teams around the league, you know, the Tampas and, and the teams that have – you know, recently competed for the Cups. Um, you know, they all have great players and they're deep lineups, but they, they're, you know, I'm sure their they're man, general managers or their leadership group would say they've got great character guys in there that care about each other and, and um, you know, know what it takes to, to kind of win. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned a guy like Jack Johnson. You know, for us it was, you know, we were looking – to add a little bit of size, a little bit of muscle to our back end. You know, we've got, you know, guys like Kale McCarr and Devon Taves and Gerard that are good puck movers and, and have good offensive ability. And we felt we needed, you know, a, maybe a little bit of a, you know, a bigger body. We lost Ryan Graves and, and um, prelude to expansion there. And how can we replace a little bit of what he brought to our mix on the back end? And and Jack was available and and in late in the summer and you know he's a big strong guy as you know sturdy and we're just looking for him to play a role and and that's and so far you know uh, knock on wood that's he's been able to do that for us so it's that that type of thing I've seen well I saw your office when you were in Columbus I'm sure it's the same here there's usually a board on the wall and it's got a lot of names on that board right and it's got your team is broken down other teams are broken down you know when it comes to the the offseason who's going to be a free agent you know who might you be able to acquire in a trade what's it like transferring names on a board and even if you've seen them play in person or you've just seen them on video 
transferring a name on a board into an actual person that is going to be an important cog in the wheel of your organization? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that that's the heart of, you know, what I think, you know, every all the pro scouts do and all the, the general managers around the league is, you know, looking for ways to get better. And, and, and sometimes it's a big swing and sometimes it's just incrementally how can you how can you get better um, in, a, in a cap world where the cap isn't moving, it's not going up for the foreseeable future, and, and just finding the you know ways to maximize every cap dollar. I think that's sort of the, the challenge that, that all of us have. So when you, you're kind of looking where can we find you know a fourth-line center or a second-line left wing or a right shot you know top-nine player and sort of the identification of that, and then you factor in, well, how much term is left on his deal? What's his AAV? What do we have to give up? You know, how are, are we current? You know, all those those different things that, that go into it and, and then along with your character assessment on how he f- will fit in with your group. And it's it's a little bit of obviously a science, but there are those obviously obvious particulars, and AAV is a big one. Last thing I want to ask you about, being here in Colorado, being an assistant general manager, your general manager is Joe Sackick. He's still a pretty big deal here in Colorado from uh, his playing days and and what he's been able to do as a general manager. What's it like to work with a guy like that? And um, you know, how is I don't I almost said how is he as a GM? But I guess what I'm what I'm really saying is for people that saw him play as a player, you know, you, you think about one thing. He's not in a spotlight so much as a general manager, but man, when you look at the guys that are on the ice, there's there's a different kind of spotlight for the management people. Yeah, he's he's obviously his career speaks for itself. He's a he's a Hall of Fame player, one of, one of the greatest to ever do it. So, um, from that that standpoint, you know he has an aura, he has a presence. Um, you know to see him and the way the fans react to him here is is obviously really unique. You know he's 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 a special person here, and and for all that he's done for the organization, in many ways he's the face of the franchise, but. You know, it's it's an honor to work for him because he's you know he's a he's a quiet leader. He lets people do their jobs, that type of thing, and and everybody wants to work hard for him. And 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 he, he just he's just a Hall of Fame person, is I guess the best way to put it as well. So he treats his people in, incredibly well, and he's he's a good friend. But he's uh, he's he's the leader. He's the leader of our organization and does a great job, in my opinion. Well, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me about the old days and, and about some of the news, the new days. It's always great to see you. I appreciate it so much, and I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Every time I see that a general manager gets let go in the National Hockey League, I'm looking for your name. I've seen it here and there recently, and I hope that ultimate dream comes true for you and, and you get the chance to run your own franchise. I can tell you from somebody that's known you for over 20 years, uh, you've worked hard, you deserve it, you two are a great person, and thank you again it's it's been so fun to catch up well thanks for the kind words bob it's always it's honestly always great to see you and uh and i look forward to seeing you back in columbus here in a few days it's always be great to get back and and see old faces old friendly faces at nationwide arena so thanks for having me on that is chris mcfarland he began his career in the blue jackets organization moving his way all the way up to assistant general manager he is now an assistant general manager for Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche, who are going to be here to take on the Blue Jackets tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. I also wanted to get all that good old Syracuse Crunch stuff in there with Zen and Kanopka and company because it was the most fascinating year 
of my hockey life. It really was. It, it was great a couple of years ago when the Blue Jackets swept the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs. I mean, that was a great experience, and that's my greatest National Hockey League experience to date. I'm sure there are some better ones that are coming down the road, but that is it to date. But to go back before that, you know, because even remember that year, the Blue Jackets were struggling just to make the playoffs, and they finish as the eighth seed, and now they've got to take on the number one Lightning. But there was no guarantee that they were going to get into the playoffs the same was true with that team in Syracuse, but then they ripped off 15 wins in a row at the end of the regular season and then won the first playoff game that they played to go 16 in a row. And you know, a couple years ago, the Blue Jackets did a, a very similar thing with a big winning streak, and, and that was fun and that was great, but that was, uh, that was not at the end of the season leading into the playoffs. Those points propelled the Blue Jackets, don't get me wrong, but Man, the crazy stuff I saw in Syracuse that year, uh, those are things that I will never forget. And most were great. Some were good. Some were bad. <laughs> but uh, it was a real learning experience. And uh, anybody that was involved in that, they, uh, they'll they never forget it. So uh, I hope a lot of uh, Syracuse Crunch fans tuned into this. I know it's been a long time since the Blue Jackets have been the affiliate there. They've gone through Anaheim, and now they are a solid partner with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I know a lot of the people that are season ticket holders there, and I know they remember that very special team and what could have been with that team. And Chris McFarland was the guy that put it together and helped to make it run and made those trades like he talked about. And at the end of the year, when guys were getting called up here to Columbus, Kanopka was called up for a while. Just about everybody that was any good was called up for at least a game or two. And I'll give you one more quick story. I uh, remember going into the coach's office one day. Ross Yates was the head coach there, and he looked disgusted when I went in. And I said, what's wrong with you? He said, look at that board. And he pointed to the whiteboard that was hanging on his wall. He goes, look at the names of the guys that are not here. He goes, and look at the names of the guys that are here. How am I supposed to win with that team? And I said, Ross, I'm telling you, the way your team is playing right now, you could go down to the end of the block and you could uh, talk to a guy standing on the corner. You could sign him to an amateur tryout. You could put him in the lineup tonight, and you're going to win. That's just the way it felt, and that's exactly what they did. So, uh, again, that was so much fun, and I loved hearing Chris talk about that, and I loved hearing him talk about his old days with the Blue Jackets and a, a guy coming out of law school and getting uh, a little bit of experience at the league office and getting a chance to come to Columbus and really hone his skills. And I meant what I said at the end of that interview I hope he gets a chance to run his own team one day. He is a tremendous human being. He is an absolute hard worker, and I hope that that happens for him. But tomorrow night, I hope the Blue Jackets beat his team again and sweep the season series at Nationwide Arena. Game time is 7 o'clock tomorrow night. You can uh, get tickets by going to bluejackets.com, or you can go through the Blue Jackets app, or you can go to ticketmaster.com, whatever works for you. That is what I hope. That's what I hope that you will do. Uh, the gates will open at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Our pregame coverage will begin at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network and also on Bally Sports Ohio. So it's been great. I hope you enjoyed this. I certainly did. I hope that came through in the conversation I had with Chris McFarland. But uh, thanks to you for being there, as always. And let's see if the Blue Jackets can pick up a third straight win and sweep the season series with the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ in 30. It's been presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until tomorrow night, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.